Welcome to Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about a song or album which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I am your host, songwriter Matt Tarka. Thanks for joining us today. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today is one Marco Castro from the band known as the Castros. Marco was born and raised in Costa Rica, embraced by the Midwest, and he's a Metroid and coffee enthusiast. He does have a new single that was released uh, quite recently, actually, on December 31st of 2021 called Sail Away. And it's going to be part of a record that uh, he is uh, producing in every sense of the word, DIY. It's available on the Castro's Bandcamp page, and I'll be supplying a link in the show notes as well. For our conversation today, we are going to be discussing the fourth studio album by Thrice. That, of course, is called Visu. It was released all the way back on October 18th of 2005. The album was recorded at Bearsville Studios up in Bearsville, New York. So without further ado, Marco, it's great to have you here. Thanks for uh, making some time uh, to stop by cover to cover today. Thank you. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, my pleasure. So where did this begin for you? What um, compelled you to choose this particular album from Thrice? Dude, um, this is one, one of those albums that challenged me a lot in a way when it came out. And I didn't realize at the moment, but it was one of those pieces of art that I just didn't understand in the moment. But then it just became this huge pivotal (laughs) just album that, uh, um, I don't know, it was in in a way um, like life changing. So it, it like, I don't know, I always come back to it when I'm like, you know, when I forget how good music is or something like that. I don't know. Like when I'm feeling kind of on a music rod, like the album always like takes me back to that. Like remembering that man, music <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Well, it, I wanted to say something uh, yeah. just to clarify. You were like, Oh yeah, he's producing his album. Like I just want to give props to my wife. So she's the one actually. Of course. Of the, yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to yeah. give her props. Cause she's, she's a, uh, uh I love her and she's great. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm helping and stuff, but she's she's the engineering mind behind our project. So I just wanted to. Excellent. No, I, pre- I appreciate you. I appreciate the clarification. So, you know, we have the full picture of who the Castros are and who the Castros are behind the scenes, producing, writing the record, etc. Um <laughs> Yeah, so we are talking today about Thrice's fourth studio album, Visu. It's hard to believe it's been 15 years since the record uh, was out there in the wilderness. Um, what can you tell us, uh, you know, about the record? You know, 15 years down the road, in in your mind's eye, it continues to, you know, does it continue to surprise you in some ways? You know, oh the more gosh, that you listen yeah. to it, yeah. Yesterday, I listened to most of it, you know, to prepare for this. And then I found some little thing that I never noticed <laughs> in one of the songs in Hope Fast Hope. And I was like, dude, that's there. That's very cool. Like some harmony, you know, kind of buried. 
on their the screens. And so it was very cool, very interesting. Like, I feel like there's a lot of surprises there. Yeah. But it, it definitely holds up, man. Like, it, it's one of those things that I feel like it keeps on giving because because it, it, it became this weird album in the moment. Like, a lot of people that got into it, like, they start making music like that. So it became one of those albums that I think a lot of musicians, like, liked and because of that they the way they crafted the album it kind of influenced a lot of different kind of styles you know because they it was a blend of weird stuff that they were like not they were not doing at the time you know they were like well, people were expecting this from them you know like everybody that was into tries they were expecting like this punk slash metal "Quote unquote post hardcore sound that you know was fast and heavy riffs and like you know and all that stuff and like people just wanted to get like into a mosh pit and like um, but then they came out with this and they people didn't know what to do with it but like you you just took a little bit to digest the thing and like uh, I don't know that that's what I think in the moment people were kind of taken aback by it but like once you gave it a second chance it just opened up to you and it shows you their growth and like and at the same time for me it mirrored my own growth (laughs) so that's probably like if we get too philosophical (laughs) or something about it like I think it reflected your own growth and you were like man I'm growing up too but like it was very cool I don't know (laughs) yeah no that's great Friends, we're talking with Marco Castro here on Cover to Cover with Mad Tarka, all things thrice and all things related to their fourth studio record, Visu. Um, started kind of alluding to a little bit of the, you know, a little bit of this, Marco. Um, who are some of the players that uh, that are part of the band um, from a production standpoint? Um, are are you know, are, is there a similar cast of characters here? Can you tell us a little bit about uh, just who's involved on this album? Well, um, I've heard and I've read some stories, you know, like I've seen some interviews. They had the choice to pick a producer that was going to take their sound that they were already doing to the next level, like but still be the name, you know, the same kind of sound. Or they had this guy, his name is Steve Osborne which he's never done any heavy or punk album like that. I think most of his work was on the electronic kind of avant-garde, you know, world, which I realized I've never listened to anything else produced by him. So that's probably like what I want to do after. (laughs) I want to dive into what Steve has done. But they went with Steve. They decided to... They wanted to try something wild like that reflected what they were doing. So this guy, I think he came and you know deconstructed everything they, the way they've done it before, and I think he was a huge part of why the album came like that because you know you see all these like dance electronic elements or like things that you know were not as traditional on like the punk you know scene or whatever um 
I mean, or people have dived into it, like on the roof and, you know, like bands like that, they, they, they had a DJ or whatever, like adding sounds, but this was different, you know, this was like something else. So, so I think this guy, Steve, had a lot to do with it. Um, I don't think at this point the guitar player, Tepe, was, because I think he gets later on, he like start producing more, but I don't know if at this point he was doing that, but yeah. I think Steve Steve Osman was one of those figures. Yeah, can you describe uh, for our listeners, um, you know, when you first you know learned about Thrice? Have you been a fan of theirs since the beginning, or uh, was it kind of a situation where uh, you 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 know you immediately say gravitated to this album and then revisited you know some of their back catalog? Do you have a story that you can? you know, share with us as to how, you know, like it I all do, came man. about, like, yeah. How did you discover the band and, and uh, this record? I was, um, I was in college, but then there was these kids that I used to run a web scene. So back when I was living in, so I, was, I used to go to university of Costa Rica and during my free time, I run this, I helped run this web scene, kind of a blog or whatever music and then these guys posted on the forums like hey we're looking for a singer <laughs> um for this kind of punk slash alternative band and the biggest influence was thrice and i didn't really know the band so i was like dude that sounds cool <laughs> i want to go and like apply and I didn't know i just wanted to be in a band i don't know um so then they were like well like we really like this band thrice and we want to cover a song called Deadbolt, which is from their second album, the second full life called Illusion of Safety. So uh, I was like, sure. So they gave me a, they bought me a CD and I went home and studied. And I was like, what is the sound? What is this? You know, it blew my mind. Like it was so different from what I was used to uh, listening to. I was really into like bands like POD. And so I still like POD by the way, but like, this kind of sound was like something new. So it was heavier and it was super fast. It had like solos and like screamings. And I was like, dude, this is awesome. What is this? So I got into all the music too. Um, at the time I learned the song. Uh, we didn't end up, you know, doing much. We probably did a recording and like to record, I don't know, but we didn't do much. But like, since then, I mean, they also gave me the artists in the ambulance to like learn, and the album, you know, it was crazy. Like, you know, there's songs that I still like love from the album, like Silhouette. And uh, I find myself going back to those albums before Visu and like reading the lyrics too, because sometimes it was hard to like get it, so you have to like listen and read the lyrics. and yeah, man, but like, yeah, I, I was just trying to join a band, and then they were like, "Yeah, we love Trice." So, and then I got hooked immediately. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Fred's, we're talking with Marco Castro, one half of the Castros, with his wife Sarah Castro here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka. All things Thrice, all things uh, Visu. Um, let's see. Do you think that this is um, kind of a, a continuation? This record itself, a continuation of uh you know their previous albums or do you think that um 
this is kind of a sound that they were sort of looking to, you know, looking for all along? I don't know. Well, based on stuff that I read, they kind of rushed through artists in the ambulance. They didn't have a lot of time to dive into doing something like this. So they kind of did what they already knew. And I mean, artists in the ambulance is huge. Like, it's great, you know, but like going back and listening to the album, you can see little things here and there that maybe they were trying something different, but they didn't go full on on it. Um, but in between that album and Visu, there's this kind of EP um, called "If We Could See If If We Could See Us Now," um, which is a line from a song uh, from the Illusion of Safety um, that uh, they they did this crazy like they changed the sound they did it live and then they put on this ep and it sounded so different it was super weird like and i was like wow what what are they doing i didn't even know it was the same song but i think that signal to what they were trying to do just kind of like constructing what they were doing musically and trying something new so i guess they they probably personally were like already trying to do that you know but they you know, they had people expecting, like maybe label heads or, you know, the fans that were expecting them to keep doing, like, you know, artists in the ambulance too. <laughs> you know, like they, they were trying, you know, to they were wrestling, like, hey, this is who we are. Like, we want to try this stuff. We want to be more experimental, whatever. So, like, maybe he was there uh, and they were just not going for it. Or maybe, you know, they just needed that impulse to, to do it, you know. I feel like I'm speaking for the band, you know what I mean? Like, like I'm their spokesperson. <laughs> I, I just imagine what this could have been, you know, like. Sure. Um, uh, as a songwriter, like that, what, regardless, as a musician, that what they did, it really, really influenced me because, like, I could see it. Like, I could see, like, okay, this is what people expect from us, but like. <clears throat> We want to try this and like just that like trying it just because you like it trying it because you want to do something new mm -hmm. like i think that influenced not just me but i'm pretty sure influenced a lot of people that were into them and if you could like not listen to all the noise like oh well you don't sound like before you know we, we miss the old like sound mm -hmm. but the people that were probably quiet you know they were like they were like they were taking it in in the back like wow what is this you know mm -hmm. so like uh, uh and i'm pretty sure at the moment they were like the band was like what what did we do <laughs> we messed it up you know but i'm pretty sure there was a lot of people that were there just taking it in like wow and they were not saying anything but instead of going and saying anything they went and make crazy albums so mm -hmm. yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah I I was reading somewhere that uh, that the band again this uh, this record was cut back in two thousand and five, and during that moment in time, uh, you know, new media, you know, i.e., podcasts, was something that was a relatively new idea, and the band, you know, utilized that 
that place, that platform, I guess, to to showcase a lot of this new material that would eventually become Vizu and, uh, you know, just kind of talk about their overall recording process and all of that good stuff. And I, I'm pretty sure that one of the band members had, you know, said something along the lines of, you know, because the album leaked online, it kind of ruined, you know, the way that they wanted to present this material, which was, you know, which was really, you know, kind of a shame. <laughs> um, but that would have been really neat to just kind of like, you know, get a window on the world of what the recording process was like uh, during, you know, during that period of time. Not much, a, you know, of a question, you know, here, but it was just just sort of an, an observation as, you know, as, as somebody who, um, or as a band, I should say, of somebody that was willing to just kind of like do something completely new. And that was, you know, using a podcast platform to talk about their music. I think that's pretty cool. That's very cool. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, <laughs> right yeah I didn't then. know it was a thing either in 2005. Um, yeah, like, I, you know, that I remember hearing about what a podcast was, but I was like, is that, what is it? You know, like, you don't know. Yeah, yeah, um, it's like something really mysterious. <laughs> so I don't remember, I, you know, I mean, I was, I would go online and see what the bands were doing, but I was mostly into forum, like, I'll go to forums, you know, like, yeah, yeah, talk about it, like kind of like what Reddit is now, like Facebook groups or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And like, that's very cool. Like, I wonder if those recordings are still somewhere. I, I wonder, cool, I know? wonder, yeah, I, I don't know if was that part of uh, the 15 year. Maybe it's maybe it's sort of like in the uh, like B roll or something like that. I don't know. I'm speculating mm-hmm. here. You know, just some sort of uh, you know overview as to what the recording process was like, and you know, during that 15 year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so fascinating, me, man. Because well, nowadays, so the other day, um, you know, Darren King. He's one of my favorite drummers. He's Mute Math, the band Mute Math. Oh yeah, yeah. So the, one of my favorite drummers, dude, and like he went on Instagram live and he's like, Hey guys, you know, I'm just recording here something for a, an ad that I'm working on. And he just started like going through like takes <laughs> and just like for a moment, you felt you were like in a basement with him, just chilling. You know, he was just like, here, how I want to try this. And it was just him trying stuff. And like he's a like, man, I didn't nail that. And I mean, it was great, but like you could tell like his process, you know. And I was like, this is nuts, you know. I'm just hanging out with this guy for a little bit, totally. you know, like twenty minutes, and yeah, and it was live for a moment. Everybody had tuned in. They, it was, you know, they were connected to his basement or whatever. And like, <laughs> that's that's so cool. <laughs> so so I can't imagine what tribes would have done back then, you know. If they like with this technology, I mean, they probably do stuff now. I guess I can't imagine now, but like back then, you know, like I, I guess I can't imagine having what like what we have now back then and how these will have turned out because feedback back then was a little harder to receive. I don't know. I guess. I don't know, it just makes me wonder, like, if the album will have turned out the same. Because I think they went into, like, you know, upstate New York, right? Like, um, Yeah, Bearsville. Uh-huh. Right? 
and they <clears throat> they hide for, for like whatever a month or whatever and they had no contact so they were really really like diving into it but if they were like you know if they had instagram and stuff and like i don't know it just it just seems like a different even though internet was everywhere already it seems like a different time for to make an album like this like like this crazy change that i don't know like it, it just makes you wonder but yeah, but yeah same here yeah very different time even though it was only 15 years ago Friends, we're talking with Marco Castro here of the Castros here on Cover to Cover with Mad Targa, all things thrice, all things Visu. Marco, this feels like an opportune time to talk about your absolute favorite tracks on the album. We could we could talk about your absolute favorite tracks, or we could do as our program suggests and literally go track by track, cover to cover. How would you like to tackle Visu? Dude, whatever. Um, I don't know. I think your choice because <laughs> the whole album is too solid man even the so this album even the b-sides are incredible this album for me has like the best b-sides one of the best b-sides ever um that i'm glad that they're not in the album because they don't make sense within the album, but they do as like uh an epilogue in a way so i don't know man we can go song by song i don't mind <laughs> Okay. Whatever you uh, want. Let's yeah. start. Let's start right from the top here. That first track is "Image of the Invisible." What um, what do you like about this song? Lyrics, melody. What uh, what, what speaks to you here? Well, I remember when this song came out first. It was because it was like the first single, and people were so amped, and that was like the first song that you were like, "What are they doing?" <laughs> Because there was a contest and there was a remix contest too or something and people could remix it. And like people were just taken aback, like, wow, like what is the sound? I wonder if this is just like an intro and then they're gonna do heavier stuff. Um so it was one of the hardest songs for me to adjust right off the bat because it was the first song. But you know, it it kind of in a way for me, it, it didn't, and it did set the tone at the same time. It did both things because the album is very different than this song in a way. But it also set the tone that this is not gonna be what we were, like what they were doing before, you know. So, um, you know, just this whole the whole the lyrics of this album so solid. Um, it has a very know, like cinematic the, quality to very it. Very cinematic, like the music yeah. video is great. Um, yeah, but yeah, lyric, lyrical. I mean, like he, like Dustin, he's at that time, you know, I was learning English. I, I, I mean, I already knew a lot of didactical English, you know, like high school and I went to, you know, I, I, I knew how to read, you know, it was, but, but there was something about like this kind of English that was very poetic that I wasn't really as familiarized with. So there was a lot of words and there was a lot of ways to say things that fascinated me. Like like to, to the way he worded a lot of these things, you know, because you know, I know he was very inspired by like C.S. Lewis in this album. There's a lot of references or like different books, like the name itself of the 
uh, Visu, I think, comes from a book called The V, which, you know, he's always very into books. So, like, of course, he all, like, got, like, uh, all the lyrics were kind of, like, written a little, you know, a little poem. And so from that point of view, like, this album had more of that. I feel like it was more dance lyrically. And it, it was fascinating to me as, you know, somebody I wanted to learn more English to see the way you could express things with these words that were like big words or whatever, but like they were like put into a context that made sense and they make you, I, I don't know, it was just very beautiful. So yeah, right off the bat, this has, you know, like uh, we're more than carbon chemicals. We are the image of the invisible, you know, that's, it's just right of the bat. That's beautiful, you know. And you know, people can take a lot from what he was saying, and it just makes you ponder. So, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's an element of self protection in here too. There's another lyric here: "So raise the banner, bend back your bows. We are the image of the invisible." I mean. That, that one just kind of struck me and, you know, that kind of goes along with, you know, the, what's happening in the music video, which is, uh, it's really a rallying cry in a lot of respects for injustice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think they've always been like at this intersection of different, um, I don't know, like he, he says, Things. There's something I admire too. He says different things with one phrase. He's not just saying one thing, but like he's embracing, you know, like there's a lot of subtext, you know. Yeah. There's something that's at the forefront, but there's also like a subtext that goes throughout the album too, which I loved. Um, so, yeah, like. I think he talks about grace a lot throughout the songs too. So it, it kind of goes, and it's kind of like a concept album in a way. If you, it's not, but it could be, you know. So it kind of it has all these themes that connect throughout the whole album, but like individual parts to also like just are self-contained. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. So yeah. No, no, that's a really great segue because after "Image of the Invisible," we have "Between the End" and "Where oh. We Lie." It's, <laughs> yeah, there, there's definitely, uh, you know, a thread with this one too. What, uh, what do you like so much about this one? Dude, um, this song, I think that taps into what I feel like everybody feels once they fall into, um, the machine. And it's funny cause I think the new album, by the way, is incredible. It's called Horizons East. There's a song called um, Soft Robot, wait, Robot Soft Exorcism, something like that. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I love the album. I actually listen to it a lot, but like this song uh, talks about like being in the machine and like you don't have to stay inside this machine. So he always like, he always had this on thought of like, you know, like, I, I remember working at an office, um, it was bad, it was bad for me, and I felt like I was turning gray. <laughs> um, I don't know if you, I'm yeah. sure. 
I felt the same way. People can identify <laughs> when you are like, yes. you start going by the emotions, you know, you, in this song, when I, I remember like, the first time I listened to it, it was like, cool, I like this vibe, kind of sounds like an 80s vibe, but you know, yeah. but reading the lyrics in the moment when I was like going through this, I was like, dude, this is how I feel right now. I was in this office with no windows and like, like fluorescent lights mm -hmm. and it was very abrasive and it was just depressing. I couldn't see the light outside, the daylight, you know. I would come in like in the winter when it was dark and mm -hmm. leave when it was dark again, kind of almost, you know, like, and like, you know, it opens up, you know, is this everything? You know, I've dreamed of so much more, you know, between the air and where we lie. Yeah. Your old hopes or dreams are scattered on the floor and feed into, you know, machines that, um, you know, like feed on empty, like eyes. I, I'm, I'm so sorry, I'm watching the lyrics, but no, no, it's very like, right? Like, you know, you see this empty, these machines feeding on empty, like, you know, like you are like, uh, it's so cinematic, right? Like, is this mm -hmm. there, there's an but, emptiness that's that's there, right? I mean, it's just an emptiness you can't escape. You used the term or word gray earlier. There's there's a set of lyrics, you know, this, using the word gray, like sleeping beneath your skull and suffocating your soul. Like that's, mm -hmm. yeah, man, it's, it's heavy stuff. It's heavy. I feel like at the end, you know, like daylight feels um, puts fire into my gray eyes. It's so beautiful, you know, and like, hmm. you know, like how, you know. Like that, that maze, you know, like that he's describing, you know, like I know it, I've seen it. And this song helped me in a way. I want to, it, it was a soundtrack of me escaping that. Um, even though, I mean, I didn't really, it's a long story, but at least he helped me be aware of that for all pursuits that I've done of like not getting to that point again, type of thing. Like, so. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of yeah. those songs, man. <laughs> yeah. After Between the End and Where We Lie, we have a track called The Earth Will Shake. Really oh, cool, man. really cool kind of acoustic demo sort of, you know, thing going on in the intro. And it gives way to this more kind of aggressive sort of metal infused, I, you know, the first band that kind of came to mind that could have been a source of inspiration was that some of that early black Sabbath stuff, like particularly like those bass riffs from Tony Iommi from the early seventies. I thought this was a, a pretty cool, pretty cool track. What do you think? It's one of my, again, I could say this of most of the songs in the album, but like, <laughs> this is like one of those songs, man, that challenged me a lot. Like it was like, what is this? You know, because it starts very quiet, right? Like, and then it goes into this like heavy. In my mind, I was like, "What? Is, what is this heavy?" But this is not the kind of heavy that I was like into. Um, and it just gets into this. It's like the timing too. It's like weird timing, um, like the tempo. Um, and I think the uh, the band still likes this song a lot. They play it live. I, I got to see them last year during their 
CD release and they close with this song. And I think people like it because I think it, it has to the test of time in a way. It still feels fresh. It still feels like something that we'll do now in a way. Um, but I just love all the lyrics, you know, like, again, very cinematic, you know, like, oh, you know, you know, look at the day the earth will shake, these uh, wither walls will fall away. And like, you know, it's very, like, very cinematic, very paints a picture. Like, I feel like, you know, you if you really read the lyrics, Dawson paints this picture. And like with the music, it's like a soundtrack of that. So it's, it's, it's just so good. Um, I love the the chants, you know, like the, the gang the vocals they do and like just the production aspect. Yeah. So good. Nice. After the earth will shake, we have a, a tune called Atlantic. <laughs> Very hypnotic, you know, kind of dreamlike vocals and sort of these shimmering keyboard patterns. Um, what resonates with you about Atlantic? I'm getting the chills, man. Um, <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah, because that song, um, and I actually got to talk to us now, but like, I remember so when I met my wife in Savannah, Georgia, which is the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's when I was digesting this album. And I remember like reading the lyrics and you just, hit me because it was describing what in a way like exactly what you know when I was meeting my wife in the moment like we the whole lyric like you know we we both were not from Savannah Georgia that's where we met um and you know just fall in love with her like you know, this song described all that, and I like just that it was this hopeful melancholy. It was so like you didn't know, you know, what was going to happen. And we ended up using this song in our wedding, actually. We that's, we danced to this song. That was our first dance. Wow. And I remember t- telling this to a band once, and they were like, what? Like, <laughs> they, they thought it was very cool. I and bet. I remember, like, in MySpace <laughs> yeah. around that time, yeah. I messaged Dustin and I was like, hey, you know, I have a story with that song. And he messaged me back, <laughs> MySpace, you know, and he's like, yeah. what's the story? And I got to tell him. He was like, so cool, man. Like, yeah, like I, I wrote it up. Because people were wondering the meaning of that song. A lot of people had different theories. And I was like, I think it's a love song. And, you know, like, he's like, yeah, man, I wrote it as a love song. And yeah, I didn't have any, you know, it wasn't anything in particular but i was like now you know <laughs> and every time that <laughs> I, I love going to shows and meeting people in the back when you know people will go behind the venues mm-hmm. talk to the bands and yeah. like, hey i'm the guy that the atlantic <laughs> <laughs> so yeah this song is very special to me i, I love it like I, I have another story like they played it so i went to see them for my bachelor's party and then they played it live. So it was just like, it was this show with Norma Jean and like all these heavy bands, like the receiving end of Sirens and Monin, I remember it in Atlanta. So it was a very heavy crowd. Like people wanted there to go and do a mosh pit, but then they play Atlantic, <laughs> which is not 
a mosh pit song and i was like screaming like yeah <laughs> did you get called out on stage no 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 no, no. Okay. okay no 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 i wasn't like right up front you know like yeah but then i was the only one that was like i guess who was so excited to hear that song yeah of course you know when all the like people were like trying to mosh you know so mm-hmm. that was <laughs> sorry i went a little extra i just really like that song yeah. After Atlantic, uh, we have a song called For Miles. And uh, I don't know, Marco, this one's really great, too. It's built around this kind of like circular piano riff. And then, you know, electric guitar comes in. It's sort of more dominant. And I don't know, in, in my notes here, for some reason, I wrote down like this could be like construed as an angry waltz, like like something very Beethoven inspired. I was thinking, well, that doesn't really you know, makes sense. Does, has Beethoven ever written a waltz? And, uh, you know, thanks, you know, many thanks to the internet. Sure enough, he did write a waltz in E flat major. Really? <laughs> so, cool. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, but in any case, um, for miles is just another great track, you know, just if we're talking about this, you know, record is possibly a concept album. Um, what, what do you like about for miles? Is it a waltz? Am I, Am I off um, base? <laughs> I don't know. Let me see. A waltz would be like. Dun, 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 dun. I think maybe. I don't know. I haven't. Because the piano intro. I don't know. I guess I have to listen to it. Because I think waltz have this like. Kind of dancey thing. But it could be. I, I don't know, man. It, it makes me wonder if composers back then. Who had access to electric guitars? What well, have they done? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if they, instead of you know, if they had, you know, you know, like uh, since and like the Rhodes piano or whatever, or like whatever, like technology. What would have they done? And I mean, they might have done stuff like this, you know. So yeah, I think it could have been something that classical composer would have composed you know with like heavy electric distortion and have like piano right mm-hmm. and i love this song because of that crescendo and like you know uh, i read that he got inspired by i think it was neil armstrong um did i say is that the astronaut astronaut right? yeah yeah right so he imagined he said he read an interview that he had a dream going I'm definitely paraphrasing, but like, so like that whole beginning of the song is supposed to be like him dreaming, you know, on space, basically. So I think that's very cool. And and I mean, like the you are not alone part, like I feel like that taps into the whole concept of the album, you know, like you're not alone with, you're not alone, you know, Blanking out the part home. We're not alone, we feel alone in love. We are sons and heirs of grace. We are children of a love that never, uh, a life that never dims, a love that never dies. Keep your chin up, son, um, and wipe the tears of your eyes. So that's, that's why I love this album too, man. Like, I think he puts out, like, it's not just like literature, like, he has his, like, like his faith in a way, like just kind of 
sprinkle it throughout like the whole album. And like I think at the time people were wondering if they were like a faith-based band because of the lyrics, you know. Um I, I remember at that time people were really into like what like okay, these bands are like Christian, right? Or these bands are like secular. It was very like kind of divided and like if somebody was like not into one or the other. It was very weird. And something that I appreciated about this is like, this is just us, it's a band. And the, the lyricist, you know, he he's just talking about it without like an agenda. That was so refreshing to me. Like, like his faith was like not used as the commercial, <laughs> aspect yeah. like asking like our bands were like we're christian <laughs> and like they were using it as like the marketing <laughs> to mm -hmm. market to like uh you know like he he was just you know just kind of like the way dylan has done it the way johnny cat you know what i mean like oh yeah it wasn't just like this marketing thing it was who he was who you know who he was like what he was writing about and like mm -hmm. that inspired me a lot to like uh, um you know just to see somebody just talking about it without like a new tier motive that mm -hmm. was so cool i don't know if that makes sense just yeah, to, makes... to see it and like every time i hear it like i'm like dude it's just so honest it's mm -hmm. just so honest. There's, so, a there's a beautiful lyric in here. And as long as we live, every scar is a bridge to someone's broken heart. Oh, dude. that sends shivers down my spine when I look at that on the page. Mm -hmm. So great. I, I remember like that lyric and I was like, dude, like I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, cause I, you're I talking to time. me. <laughs> I was like, dude, like I, it's Yeah. I mean, there's nothing else. To, it's just, you know. But, like, the song is so beautiful because it, it surprises you with the screams, too. Like, at the end, like, he's just very, like, cathartic. And it's just so beautifully, like, you know, like, I would play it to people. I wouldn't necessarily like heavy things. And then because the journey would take them into this, like, musical, you know, kind of wave when they get like to the heavy stuff they were very receptive and that they were like they would get it they were like wow yeah like that's i'm, I'm not really into this kind of music but like i kind of like this and i was like mm -hmm. right <laughs> so yeah it wasn't just like blah, blah. you know it had like some feeling behind it so yeah, yeah. you know just right i don't know <laughs> Yeah, we're, uh, friends, we're talking with Marco Castro here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, all things thrice and all things related to their fourth studio record called Visu. Following Four Miles, we have a tune called Hold Fast Hope. The floor is yours. Um, well, so that doesn't... I love that like uh, part of the song. This song was actually the last song that I can remember that I got that i really got into i used to skip this song <laughs> i don't know i just never like it was hard for me to understand um the sound it was like it started heavy and uh it had like this banging like 
riff, like, dun, 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 right? And I was like, cool. But then it got into this, like, melodic thing that I didn't understand. So I, I wasn't really into this song, even when I was really into this album. I don't know if that makes sense. But, I mean, in recent years, it's just a great song. Like, just the whole thing. Like, um, just those dynamics that I didn't understand back then. I get it now, you know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. and it shows that transition. I feel like they were trying to do a heavy song like they used to, but they wanted to do it now, meaning 2005, right? So like they still wanted to do something heavy that's banging, but it was with their new approach. So during the moment I was, I, I'd rather just listen to what they've done before if I want to listen to what, I consider back then the heavy thrice. So yeah, with this song, like uh, I recently, yesterday I discovered like this new harmony that I've never heard. Cause I, I went back and listened to most of the songs and read the lyrics. And, um, it's just, I think this created like a new <laughs> timeline, like marble style <laughs> for different <laughs> bands that were kind of like doing this kind of heavy thing post-hardcore, post-post-hardcore, whatever, that's kind of heavy, but it's kind of melodic. And I think it's cool. I, nice. I think it's one of those songs, man. But yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. After Hold Fast Hope, we have Music Box. Uh, really cool dynamics on this one, too, uh, especially in the chorus. What, uh, what speaks to you about Music Box? Man, this song is great. Uh, I know that they actually use a real music box from Japan. Um, I think Tepe brought one from Japan. Uh, and I think he's, I don't know if it's because, so I think his family, I think he's, he has some uh, Asian descent family. So I don't know if he had actually family in Japan or they were just in tour or something, but he brought this music box. And that song is, um, that the music box plays is called Sakura. And it's a folk traditional Japanese song. Um, I think it's la, 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 la. I don't know. You just Google it. It's called Sakura, Sakura, Miss Cherry Blossom. Uh, so it will play this song. So they kind of added it into the song. And then they built the song around it, which is cool. I don't know if they did it, built it around it, but like somehow they had to blend it. So I love this song because it starts with that, but it continues. And like, you know, I, I just love this. Um, it reminds me of the feeling that For Miles gives me, you know, because it's like, you know, this kind of earthy song with like heavy on it, you know, and like, yeah, it's a great song, man. I, I, I love, I love it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Do you, yeah. What, do you, what do you like about it? I, I feel like I'm talking too much and I know you heard a little bit of it. So like. What's what's your take on all these, man? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I love this record. Um, you know, like I said, you know, the dynamics on this one is really cool. Um, I love, I love the chorus. I mean, it's just it's so beautiful and overarching. We are not alone. We feel an unseen love. We are sons and heirs of grace. We are children of a light that never dims, a love that never dies. Keep your chin up, child, and wipe the tears from your eyes. Throughout this record, you know when I was going through the liner notes, there's just 
nothing but just like thoughts of like just encouragement and knowing that like the world is a really ambiguous kind of place at times and just keep going like it's going to be difficult but just you know keep your chin up here and just roll with the punches sometimes life can really suck but there are you know there are people here in your corner you know there's there are support systems you know out there and you know there is that hope that you can you know find those support systems you know when you need them the most um uh for miles here briefly and just you know the whole analogy about the scar being a bridge to someone's broken heart you know there's a there's a portion of that lyric in here that um that goes there's no greater love shed your blood for your friends i mean like that's that's another gorgeous line too man like throughout this like it's just like i said there's just these feelings for me of just you know keep at it keep going i love it i realized something now as we're talking about this that when we were talking about four miles i kind of got talking about this song music box (laughs) so i don't know you no, it's fine. Anything. It's I, I fine. just wanted to like say that because people are gonna be like, "Wait, why are you talking about like music box?" <laughs> no, I, so, I I knew where you were going. <laughs> so I didn't. I was like, "Yeah, man!" Like, because in the moment, what the song that came into my because I, I used to kind of feel similar things <laughs> with both songs. So yeah, um, a lot of the stuff that I said about four miles, I was thinking about music box. So I just. <laughs> Um, no, it's yeah. So it's yeah, I, I, I just wanted to say that. So this song about like, uh, um, you know, uh, the dream, the, the the Neil Armstrong that he he was dreaming and stuff. That's about this song, you know. Mm-hmm. A million miles, you know. Uh, um, about you know, like all that stuff, you know. It's about this song, not about four miles. What I've read about Four Miles before is that they got inspired by Miles Davis somehow. You know, I think it was on the liner notes, so like that's why they call it Four Miles. But you know, like when the song starts, you know, I know one day all the scars will disappear, all the stuff. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. And that crescendo part is kind of, it's still kind of the same. That's probably what I got <laughs> confused, I guess. But so yeah, all the stuff that I said about. Uh, for miles most of it is our music box so just kind of go back and if you were already judging me about it it's fine i don't care (laughs) (laughs) there's no judgment here on this show this is about this is about your opinions and we kind of weave in and out of songs it's really it's really all good well you know that comes to show how um, i feel like those two songs that kind of give the same impact so you know like uh because they had the, they start with this you know the piano right on four miles and this song starts with the uh music box you know uh, um kind of gives me that thing in the moment i was like wow this is, it takes you in it, it grabs you and then it takes you into his journey you know mm-hmm. so you know like and the lyrics are very similar in the sense of like encouragement so like uh, um that's what i love about you know, this album, because it has these dynamics that, you know, it, it connects you with our songs too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and that, that, well, the next song we have is like Moths to Flame. 
do you think this song is connected to the previous one like music box or do you think this is a just a different part of a a growing concept here this song kind of reminds me to the airflow shake um yeah track three i believe yeah um but it has like um I think in the video of Image of the Invisible, they use the intro piano of this song. They kind of start with that thing. It kind of has that for Miles vibes too. Like it starts with a piano, you know, it grabs you. And then, but this one immediately hits you, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this song is for me, what I understood as like what a cinematic, you know, rock or cinematic song is like, well, let me make sure the camera doesn't shut off because I'm using one that if, if I don't press the button, it shows it like it turns off. So th- this song, uh, um, man, yeah, well, cinematic. I, you know, if you dive into lyrics, it's just crazy, like how it describes uh, Paul, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it's a it's a very biblical story, but being told from the point of view of a uh, Peter. I'm sorry. See, I, I keep doing this. I keep doing this, man. Like, I, I keep saying stuff. It's okay. And it's like... <laughs> it's fine. So it's Peter. It's the betrayal of Peter, um, which is a story a lot of people know, you know, but it's not from the point of view of the one that's doing the deed, of, like, you know, like, he's describing... But that's what I think is very cinematic, because he's describing... Uh, what's happening without saying it outright. You know, he's just painting the picture. Mm-hmm. You know, once again, these bitter herbs, you know, he's describing the Passover and, you know, like what he could have been seeing in the moment, you know, he's so confident and he's like, you know, you know, I will die for you this very night or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like he's just saying it. So I like the way he wrote that because, you know, he doesn't outright say what's happening, but like, once you read it, you're like, wow, like that's, that's Peter's betrayal, you know, and like, it's so cool. I don't know, like yeah. when he gets heavier, it's after he's already being confronted and like, it's just very cool. I don't know. Yeah. Like in that like crescendo, you know, because it's like, um, it starts with the piano and then it gets heavy, but then it goes into like this kind of groovy acoustic thing and then the chorus is just like like each piece of music kind of gives you a different state of mind of what the character he could be, have been feeling and thinking in the moment you know kind of not verbalizing it but like it's just very cool like artistic way to like tell a story that people know in a way like that's something that even in pop culture, you know, it's something that's been said from a not from the first person, though. You know what I mean? So I just I always love that when you know when somebody point out that that's what it was. It was like what? That's so cool and like it makes sense. And the heavy part at the end, you know, like you know when he's already been like denying, like you know, like he's already like just the lyrical aspect of it, you know, like. Mm-hmm. It's just it's fascinating, just like that heavy part. Like if you read it, it's so good, you know. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. just like poetry. 
yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, following like Moz to Flame, we have of Dust and Nations, some really cool light electric finger picking and you know, kind of these like eerie distorted sounds that you know <laughs> very well could be coming from some kind of a desert. What do you, what do you think about of Dust and Nations here? Man, of Dust and Nations <laughs> I love that song. It was one of the first songs that I really got me hooked into this album when I wasn't understanding this new sound. It just has this crazy intro, you know, and it was just like, like wow, I really like this. I don't know why, but I'm into this. Um, and in fact, I remember when we started the band, um, we covered this. <laughs> that was one of the first covers that we've done, just because I wanted to like challenge myself and do the picking. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's an art, like. It kind of takes it, it kind of continues though when like it, it doesn't like the last song doesn't end and it kind of sways into this song like with some sounds and stuff. But dude, Dostinations, I, I just love it. It's there's some theories that he, <laughs> he's talking about like because this is the nine, this is just like a conspiracy theory. I don't know. Like this is the ninth track of a eleven full length. <laughs> yeah. So people say that that you know, like the, the towers that shoulder your pride, you know, that's like the beginning of the song. Oh. So people say it might be a reference to that. You know, like you know, nine eleven is the ninth track of eleven. Like um but you know, um just this song kinda just the dynamics of this song is just it's just fresh. If it comes if that song comes out today, a lot, you know, it'll be like, yeah, that this is awesome. Like if I think it's one of those songs that's still like will be most of the songs in this album, but this song in particular, it just has this groove. And most I think it's because it has this retro kind of vibe in a way, like it, it kind of fits with a lot of the retro sounds, but um, but yeah, so put your faith in more than seal and story treasures up. You know, he references a lot of like stuff that uh, it's just so cool to see in like, I don't know, because he's talking about like, um, like time and he, he reminds me of like this, well, this reminds me of Bob Ross. <laughs> this like little background. So uh, sometimes I feel like these lyrics are kind of like Bob Ross. He's just painting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like he's just like, you know, he establishes these songs and then he just strokes, you know, something. And then like, I think it's very cool. Like, it's just like, this song is more like a painting kind of for me, you know. Mm-hmm. of dust and nations is very it's cool yeah so yeah. <laughs> after of dust and nations we have a song yeah called a uh, stand and feel your worth um do you think this is kind of a continuum of the same ideas that are presented in of dust and nations or something that's uh you know yeah. a little different what, what do you think absolutely man so this song is one of those again cinematic 100 percent like I love the dynamics because he starts and changes like 
Do they do a key change? I think like it's to like you know so. test you know all my you know send a figure work you know all my soul. Um, it's again very encouraging you know like um, I just love so I heard this was kind of base. Not a hundred percent, but like he uses a lot of um, the narrative story um, mm -hmm. ideas. Kind of feel like he, I don't know, he somehow used some of the um, ideas for. It. I mean, I read the 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 liner notes, so and like, so I'm sure you, you know, probably read something about it. But like, he uses like you know the and save the world that can save us all. I think that's inspired by. The narrative story. I don't know. I might be wrong, but if I am, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. But yeah. yeah. I, I, oh, I'm sorry. What? No. No. All I was going to say was, uh, I love. There's a recording technique where I think the producer's kind of like channeling one part from left to right. Um, like there's a there's a part. I think it's you know it's right around the lyric. We are rot with breath and dirt, washed in second sight. Like I just love how you just hear it in your left channel, and then all of a sudden it just moves over to to the right so slowly. There's just a really cool kind of stillness to it. I don't know what that technique is necessarily called, but it's just you know, it's like a it's like a very subtle kind of panning. It's really mm -hmm. it's really nifty. It just goes like. You know, we're talking about dynamics. It really just goes with the dynamic of, of the song. So yeah, it kinda, it's really fun. Yeah. It gives it like this, like um, the way I, you know, I've been describing it, it's like painting, right? So it kind of puts you in, it changes from what what's happened in the last song, but it doesn't, it just puts you in a different mode. And yeah, like that. I love that. It's kind of like this stillness, what you're saying. It's just, and it has to do with the beat too, because it has kind of this. It's not really electronic, but it makes sense. There's a lot of like uh, ambient. There's a lot of uh, um, etherealness to it. Yeah, the whole album, right? But like th yeah. this song has that too, like kind of like Atlantic has it. Yeah. But this song has, because it's taking you to the end. I feel like maybe that's why. But this song specifically has a lot of the elements from the all the songs right i like that and yeah. like it yeah. kind of and at one point it really like they turn it up like everything changes right like and it gets heavier but like it's not i don't know if it's a key change that they did or like it's there's something but like it seems like they flipped the switch and it, it just goes somewhere else but it's it's so good um yeah and the lyrics what you mentioned you know and like you know, it's just th those words that he uses, man. For me, I was like fascinated to see the English language <laughs> through that lens. You know, I was like, what? Like, I don't know what this means yet, but it sounds beautiful. <laughs> you know, like uh, the we're um, the wielding a second birth and yeah, wetting our wits and knives. Is that, that something you might be thinking of? Yeah. <laughs> what's happening so like i i got to learn some cool words right but like it's just the way it's just painting it and then you're like wow like that's just you know like it's like poetry um yeah i don't know man <laughs> i just love the way he that's crafted like lyric and like the production dude it's just like and i mean 
just the drums for the whole album like it's just incredible like just just those uh time signatures that maybe you know like it's it's just and the guitars the, the bass everything it's just you can see like the whole band was into it you know and like i know we've been focusing on the lyrics and some other production aspects but the whole band and i think in this song particularly everybody shines like you know like they were like it's just like that that mountain top right before like the drop which is the last song Mm-hmm. So I feel like everybody was doing the weirdest stuff, you know, like uh, and shining together. So it yeah. was very. It's, this song is that the mountain top that's like, you know, like. Oh okay. yeah, this song yeah. feels like it's ending the album, right? It's like the last song, and then the next one comes in, and it's like a little epilogue, you know. Yeah. And it's actually the ending type of thing, you know, like. That yeah, that epilogue is called Red Sky. Talk to us a little bit about you know some the culmination of this record. Um, Do you all right? Yeah. I've the wind, the wind's listening. a cheating wife. <laughs> her tongue a thirsty knife, and she could take her life with one good kiss. That's a, that like, that's a crazy lyric right there. That's yeah. a crazy lyric, man. And again, I remember like listening to this. Um, so I want to take you back to to the beginning. Um, the reason why this album means a lot to me, like I moved to the United States in December 2005, <laughs> right? So between when the album dropped and I didn't get it right away, so I got like a month to enjoy it in a way. And I was like, this is weird, I don't get it. But moving here, it changed, I changed everything that I thought I knew and like, all the song in this album made sense. Like the changes that they did, I was like, I get it now. Like it's, it's it was very interesting. So like, um, you know, like it kind of was like in a way a comforting thing to know that yes, I was changing, but then there's this album that changed too, yeah. <laughs> and it was comforting me. Um. And then this song, I remember I was in Savannah, Georgia, right? Like riding the bus, one of the jobs I had at flea market. And uh, I had a, somebody gave me an, an old school. <laughs> it wasn't even like a, an iPod. It was like one of those MP3 players that were like super early MP3 players, like super like, it was just like, thing. and I remember I got it, I got it as a tip because I was working in a restaurant too. And they and they were like, hey, can, can, you, can we give you this as a tip? And I was like, so cool. They gave me this MP3 player that didn't have a cable. So I remember going to buy, buy the cable. And then one of the first songs that I synced into this MP3 player was Red Sky. Because I remember, like, this was a song that I remember, okay, this is cool. I can get into it. So I remember, like, because it wasn't the MP3 player, and those MP3 players couldn't hold that many songs. I remember just listening to this a lot on my way to work on the bus. So I just remember like listening to Red Sky a lot, like looking at the Savannah, um, the marsh. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. know if you've been to Savannah, Georgia. I have. I have, yeah. Beautiful. And like I just remember, right? Like 
just magical, you know, just digging the lyrics. And I was like, wow, he's saying this and I'm, I'm getting it. Because when you, you're learning a new language, right? Like you already knew it. For me, it was hard to just hear a song and just getting it right away. I had to read it. I don't know. Um, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the first songs that I could remember that I didn't need to read it. And that was huge for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, probably, I'm sure there were other songs too, like that I didn't have to go online and read the lyrics. But like I remember like just listening because I was already like working. I, you know, as as my language was able to improve, I was able to just listen to songs without having to, you know, use the the liner notes. So it, it was just very cool to just because it was so on repeat on the MP3 player. I would just. It's just magical, yeah. you know. Kind of emotion first, then lyrics and melody and all that kind of good yeah. stuff that comprises songs later on. That was it. That sort of you know, kind of you know, kind of connection. Man, yeah. I remember like the video was really cool too. I, I used to yeah. play a lot. It's just one of those songs, man. Yeah. I remember my mom. She, <clears throat> I left that song in the computer. And I didn't know this. So when I moved to Ohio, she would go to listen to this song a lot. <laughs> she loves it now. And like, I don't know if you guys, you know, sometimes it was hard to, you know, connect with this kind of music with your parents, you know, because <laughs> it's like, well, it's just screamings or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> But it was so cool to hear my mom like loving a try song. Like I, she like legit likes it. Like she was like, she will tell talk to people about it. Like it wasn't just because I liked it. Like she, it became her song too. That's and so, when the that's band so cool. did, yeah. isn't that like crazy? And then yeah. when the band did the 15 year, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> I'm getting. Uh, carried away i think you said something and i'm not having to oh no no i'm just i'm listening you were yeah go on about the uh, 15 year anniversary well uh it was like three weeks before last year's lockdowns and i know i think dustin might have had it because he was like out for like a week he had to cancel some shows anyway so i took my mom she was so excited so excited to be there and like she loved it. Like she like it was so fascinating to go with my mom to see um Trice. Like mm -hmm. it, it's just like that. That's like a full circle. Like Yeah. You know, we, before she you know, she had her own music that she liked, but like this was one of those things that like and like I mean she sat down for the whole I mean the openers were like these punk bands <laughs> screaming and stuff. I don't know. And like, you know, uh, uh, the whole album, I mean, it's just, she was, she loved the, every single part. Like she was like, I love the whole, and I know she wasn't just saying that, you know, when parents would be like, yeah, I like it, but it's just, they're happy for you that you like something. <laughs> but I think in this case, she really likes it. And it was very cool to go and see that, you know, um, so they play Red Sky, and she was like, oh, it's, and it's just such a cool song. Like, it's one of those songs I feel like you can show any, like, I don't think nobody, like, even the most hardcore guy or whatever, or like, 
anybody that doesn't know anything about like Trice, the, I think this song is like everybody would would like. It's one of those songs that you know you can show it to anybody, whatever kind of music they are into, and they will be like, "This is cool," because it has that melancholy and like that everything. I don't know. It's just it's just a beautiful ballad. It's right? beautiful. That, you, that story you told about. Connecting over a song with your mother is beautiful. Thank you for sharing this. Of course. Thank you. Marco, I'd like to um, I'd like to wrap up our conversation about cover art for this record. Um, so as we both know, we kind of live in this, you know, this crazy world called the 21st century where, you know, everything's moving at such a rapid pace, but the one thing that's ever present um when it comes to any sort of new music release is cover art in some way shape or form it's could be a painting it could be a sculpture it could be a you know a photograph something something is there to support a piece of music single ep lp whatever um when you look at this album cover do you do you think that this is do you think that this is an accurate representation of everything that you were about to experience on Visu? Not at all. This Not is, at all. Yeah. No. Tell so, tell our listeners about you know what your opinion is of the cover art as much as you'd like. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I get it now, but it's not at first. But I think it represents the the album. You don't know what you're gonna get. I re- I remember looking at it. I was like, why are they doing like a board what's one of those boards um, yeah, like a ouija board yeah and i was like that's weird are they <laughs> yeah. becoming like but it wasn't it was not one you know at first glance you think it looks like something like that and i remember like that's weird you know but it wasn't you know it was very like you pay attention to like some of the uh, artwork it has to do with not like the sea it's it's like I think it has to do with Red Sky. Like most of the stuff, you know, like they the way they they imagine Red Sky, but like because a lot of like sea weird sea creatures and like there's some phrases, you know, like you know, race and empire from the bottom of the sea and stuff. So it kinda has like this weird um imagery of mm-hmm. like kinda old time like the way a, a nautical book might have been written, you know, like with like drawings of monsters, <laughs> like fish mm-hmm. monsters or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so no, I didn't know what to expect from this album. You know, I wanted at that time the tries that, you know, it was, they were kind of like into that emo phase of like, or it's, I don't know if it's, it's not a phase, um, I'm trying to say accurately, like it was like this emo static of, the early 2000s that were like indie rock slash emo that was like very like city. So like the first album, the illusion, or well, the second one, illusion of safety and the artists, they all had pictures from urban landscapes that were like very like 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 torn sideways or something. You know, it was just very like that kind of static. But this was like, what is this? You know, and it's not what I was expecting but yeah i think once it kind of looks like one of those two um 
like a dartboard. Like, mm-hmm. so it kind of I, I didn't understand, but I think it, I didn't understand the album first, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, um, I want to say though the B sides, the B sides are one of the best B sides ever. There's um, three major songs, four um, actually three. Um, the Wave of Glory, which is a really good song. The Flags of Down, Down, D A W N, The Flags of Down, and uh, Lullaby. And those three songs are incredible. So just check out those three songs, they're amazing. So, but yeah, uh, um, the core art, um, yeah, it's, it's very weird. I still like. It's it's weird, but like it's 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 thrice. It's that piece. Like it kind of became that. Yeah, it was weird, but you don't know what you're gonna get. Type of thing. <laughs> Marco Castro of the Castros, thank you so much for being on Cover to Cover today. This has been so great learning more about Thrice's catalog, and uh, just thank you so much for uh, for being here today. Thank you, Matt. Like, you know, I I always appreciated. Uh, talking about albums that I like. I mean, this is not the only album I like, you know, it's one of those ones. Um, but I I miss talking about, you know, why you like digging into why you like something. And I mean, uh, um, you know, I invite everybody to check out your music too. I don't know, I'm sure you talk about your, your, your own music, but like, uh, I feel like talking about an album like this, you know, should inspire, people to like if it inspires you to do something like that i think that's that's a good like they're doing their job in a way you know if it inspires you to you know if it encourages you which this album did but it also encouraged me to to create at at a time when i was listening to this album i didn't know how to play instruments my wife taught me how to play guitar and stuff and i always remember like every time i try to create something I had this album to like measure up in a way, not to like scare myself, but I was like, dude, like if they did that, what can I make? You know, it inspired me to, to, and I, I don't, we don't make the kind of music they do. It's, it's different, but like the feel of like doing it and crafting it the way you, you know, in that special way, cause it felt special, it felt crafted that stayed with me and I always, you know, go back. So, you know, if you're listening to this, you know, like what, what, what Matt does and like, you know, we hope that you also check out all this, his music, check out the independent bands too that are, you know, doing stuff like this. Sometimes I feel like you get into a rut <laughs> and you just listen to stuff that used to, that you used to like, like, you know, this album. Sometimes I just go back to it and I, completely dismiss what's coming out now you know so it, it puts that in perspective like, man i love this album but like what am i missing out the same way i would have missed out if i didn't listen to it i gave this a chance so what am i not listening to right now you know it, that that's just a thought that I popped so i wanted to say that because this album is from 2005 you know so like what am i not listening to? So. <laughs> i love that marco thank you so much <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks so much to all of you for taking some time to stop by the program today. For all of you listeners out there, 
thank you very much. And please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcasts, whether that's on Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, or maybe even Amazon. Take a moment to tell a friend or tell some of your family members about our show. Let us know how much you like the show by giving us a good rating. That will certainly help us appear higher in search results. And feel free to drop us a line at hello at covertocoverconversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia. We hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song, and shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover.